We talking hoops season two. Let's go. What up, though? It's your coach. Who talks hoops the most? It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the GLIAC, AU to high school and any gym that he had. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer, was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer, he's that dude. Too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah. All right, let's get right to it, man. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. Late night edition, episode 18, coming way back at you. Still in the quarantine, man. Uh, it's your coach, man. You know how we doing. I, I, I took a little hiatus. Took a couple weeks off, man. The streets was hot uh, with, with the, the Black Lives Matter movement. It was a lot of things going on. And to me personally, I didn't feel like a podcast and talking about basketball was, was important. So I took a couple weeks off for the podcast just to kind of get some storylines brewing, give an opportunity for people to to protest, for people to quarantine. And, and now we back, man. I'm back. So this is going to be the episode for this week. I'm not taking questions. If you just happen to tune into the lives, the late night edition, uh, this will be the podcast for this week. So when you tune into the podcast, you can also listen to what I got going on. So this week we're going to cover the NBA. Uh, they back in the bubble. Uh, a lot of things going on in the bubble. Want to talk about that. Want to talk about the TBT tournament. Very impressed with the TBT tournament. Uh, some very good basketball. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about Amadi Bates committing to Michigan State. Uh, HBCU basketball. Some guys, uh, five stars, are starting to entertain and even commit to uh, some HBCU. So we're going to talk about that. And I also have an interview for a recruit that chose to go the HBCU route. And had a chance to sit down and have a conversation with him about his decision to commit to an HBCU as opposed to going to a predominantly white university. So we're going to get right into it, man. It's your coach that knows who's the most. I appreciate y'all for tapping in live. Look, I'm a nocturnal man. I don't sleep. I do my best work at night, late night. I'm talking about all my podcasts, majority of them I do late at night. Because my mind is just going. I didn't want to wait to the next day to really talk about some hoops, man. It's been on my mind. Been thinking about basketball a lot. Been applying for some high school jobs. Applying for some JUCO jobs. I'm ready, man. My mind is sharp. I'm ready to get back at it. AU is there. And it's about time to talk some hoops, man. Y'all had a couple weeks to give Coach Cam a little breather, a little break. But now we live and rolling, man. We live and rolling. It's your coach and those who's the most. Let's talk about the NBA in the bubble. Now, the thing about the NBA in the bubble is you knew players were going to get the coronavirus. So James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they got the virus. Nikola Jokic got the virus. Players are going to get the virus. I think they did over 300 tests. I think 16 players uh, end up coming up with the virus. So they're down there and they're in a bubble and you got guys that's contacting the virus, which you knew what's going to happen. You knew there's going to be a percentage of people that was probably going to get it. The NBA just hopes your favorite player don't get it. So things kind of changed with Russell Westbrook and James Harden catching the virus because this right now is July 15th. They are supposed to jump off July 30th. If you catch the virus within this week, you're supposed to spend 10 to 14 days in quarantine. If you spend 10 to 14 days in quarantine, that puts you right up a couple of days before the games are about to start. And you only get six or seven games 
to start the season. So if you're a bubble team, if you're 8, 9, or 10, and your fate of your season on making the playoffs is those those six games that you play, you can't catch the virus. Especially this week. If you catch it this week, you plan on missing some games. So the NBA is is they, they're down in the hot bed in Florida. Uh, at first I was a little leery because you're starting to get a lot of people catching the virus down in Florida. I mean the, the cases are going up by the thousands every single day. And those people in Orlando better be careful that, you know, LeBron James don't catch the virus. You know, somebody, they just, the NBA just better hope that their top players don't get it because that's what people want to see. They don't want to see Mo Bamba. They want to see LeBron James. They want to see Anthony Davis. They don't want to see the guys like Miles Turner. Like, they want to see the superstars. So you better hope the superstars don't catch the virus or the NBA is going to have a problem when it restarts. But I'm ready for it, man. Let's go. Let's go. I'm ready for some hoops, man. I'm ready to get down in. And uh, hopefully everybody is being healthy. Uh, like I said, Russell Westbrook and Harden, they get the virus. So they didn't even get to the bubble. So they got the virus before they even got to the bubble. Um... We got some guys leaving the bubble because they catch the virus. Uh, Michael Beasley, the Nets just signed him, and it comes to find out that he had the virus. Now, I thought he crossed the line to find his weed guy because, you know, he, he said he him. That's him. You know, he got he to gotta have his stuff with him. So I, I didn't think Michael Beasley could go three to four months clean without his stuff. Uh, and he ain't alone because a lot of them guys that do that. A lot of them guys that do that, and they, they got the, the Mary Joanna, whatever you want to call it, Mary Jane, whatever. Uh, a lot of them guys do it, man. And if you ain't able to to, um, to do that in the bubble, it might hurt some players, and it definitely might hurt Michael Beasley. Um, let's think about this, though. So in this bubble, you don't have to go. So if you're an NBA player, it's like a guy like Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley is the starting point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. He opted out of going. He said, you know what? My oldest son has a respiratory problem. I don't want to create any kind of health issues for him if I catch the virus. So for the sake of my family, I'm not going to go. And he wasn't the only one. There were multiple people. Wilson Chandler opted out from going to the bubble. You had a lot of guys. Trevor Ariza was a guy that opted out of the bubble. Uh, you had a lot of guys who said, you know what? It's not worth me going to the bubble, catching the virus, and me bringing it back to my family. And I totally get it, man. I totally get it. The NBA just can't assume that everybody's cool with the bubble. You can't assume that. There are going to be some guys that don't want to go. And you have the option not to. And a lot of those players, like those mid-level guys, like, you know what? I just don't want Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo was very against it at first. Now they're saying he's down at the bubble and he's doing well. But he really didn't want to do it first because I go down to the bubble, I get hurt, I get the virus, I don't get a contract extension, and now it just spirals out of control to a place where I can't recover from. So a lot of those NBA players that opted out, I'm right there with them, man. I don't see, I, I, I get it. When you have a family, you have different things, different priorities that you have to think about. And me for myself, you know, when I go, I, I went back to work last week at, and I had some some reservations about doing that. It's just like now I'm throwing myself back into work. What happens if I bring something home? So those NBA players are thinking about those things and to opt out. I get it. I see why you do it. I'm not going to give them backlash for for not going to the bubble. You got to take care of yours and your family. So 
that's just that. Now, Rondo. Rondo for the Lakers hurts his hand severely. So you got Avery Bradley that acted out. You have Rondo who has a severe hand injury in one of their first couple of practices. Who's going to start for the Lakers? Who's going to start for the Lakers? So the Lakers going to start Alex Caruso at the point? Like, the Lakers really, I mean, now that they've, they've been testing LeBron at the point guard position, and they might mess around and have to play LeBron at the point because, like, who are you going to put the fate of your season for your NBA championship season in the hands of Alex Caruso? Like, I wouldn't. I'm like, look, Brian, you got to play the point, man. I got to go LeBron, KCP, Kuzma, AD, and McGee now. Like, I got to switch up my lineup because I, I can't put the ball in Caruso hands to start the season. I just can't. That's just me personally if I was running the Lakers, if I was the coach. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do for that point guard side. Do they pick somebody up? Do they sign another guard? I know they picked up J.R. Smith, who I'm not a huge fan of J.R. Smith. I was huge a fan when he was early on in his career, but in the last four or five seasons, he's, he hasn't averaged double figures. So you bringing in a guy that's going to get you eight, nine, maybe 10 points. Like I never really understand in the big hoopla of teams signing J.R. Smith. Like he doesn't shoot 40% from three. He's going to, he's not great defensively. He's going to take some bad shot. I mean, so hopefully it works out and LA for J.R. Smith and they also signed Deion Waiters but they signed a bunch of guys that can't help them at the point spot they need a point guard they need a point guard let's say they're gonna put uh, LeBron James at the point which is what they might do so for my people just tuning in just wanted to let you guys know this is the podcast for this week if you didn't know I had a podcast please tune in or wherever you get your podcast from Spotify Apple Google Play wherever it's Talking Hoops with Coach Cam, and we're getting right back into it. We're talking about the NBA and the bubble. And the last thing I'll talk about, the NBA guys in the bubble, uh, you got some players that's not pleased with some of the living accommodations, all right, some of the meals that they're getting. Uh, you had one player who didn't even know what the quarantine was. He broke the quarantine in the first week, and he didn't know he wasn't supposed to leave the room. And it's just like, what are you doing? What do you think quarantine means? What up, bro? I got to say what up to my brother. I mean, whenever he come on, I got to say what up, though, to my bro. But we talk about the quarantine. So, uh, yeah, so th there, were, there was some displeasure with some of the meals and some of the living conditions. But you know what? You're in the NBA. And if you're really trying to win the NBA championship, like I said before, you got to sacrifice. If it's important to you, you got to sacrifice. You got to lock yourself up in a room for 10 days and get ready for action. And these guys, I think they're ready. It jumps off July 30th, the end of the month. I, ca I can't wait for it, man. I I'm, I'm ready for it. Hopefully, you know, Harden and Westbrook can get healthy and they can get back in the bubble. Harrison Barnes can get back in the bubble. Jokic can get back in the bubble. Uh, so these guys can start getting in because, you know, I'm, I'm itching, man. I'm literally itching for some basketball. I really am. I really am itching. And, and just talking about itching for basketball, and, and I'm going to uh, tailor this into another topic because, uh, you know, I only do so much of the NBA because it's just it is what it is. Uh, but my itch got scratched this week. My itch for basketball got scratched this week, and it was the TBT tournament. Oh, my goodness. I mean, these guys were going at it. And if you're not familiar with the TBT tournament, it's a tournament of college alumni that get together and they play 
for a million dollars. The winner of the tournament gets a million dollars. And you had the sideline cancer, a group of people that were playing against uh, fighting cancer, uh, playing against the Marquette Golden Eagles team, the Golden Flashes, their five in the final game. But I'm not even going to talk about the final game. We're going to get there. We're going to get there, but we're not going to talk about the final game because I had the chance to revisit that game tonight because those two teams were just flat out going at it. And when you're playing for money, and a lot of times it ain't even about the money because these guys, they play overseas. Some of them are on NBA Summer League rosters. Like these ain't guys that's just off the street just playing. Like these ain't, these ain't me and, and, my, and my people playing. It ain't that, right? It's, it's some guys that's really serious about hooping. They really serious about it. So I'm just trying to get rid of the comments here. Uh, yeah, baby did go, baby D did go crazy. And I want to talk about some guys that really had some great tournaments, a great tournament. And a lot of those guys were guys from Michigan. Okay, so you had Eric Devendorf. Eric Devendorf, uh, Bay City Western, I think it was, one of them Bay City schools. I remember playing against him while I was in college. He used to have a whole little group of uh, a squad with him. Like, he would go to open gyms, and they would follow him. And they'd be like, my man's going to the league. We used to be like, dog, he's like a freshman in high school. Like, chill out. Uh, but he still got it, man. He still got some boogie. He was playing for Bayheim's Army, which is the Syracuse alumni, and he had a very good showing. Marcus King was going to work. If you're not familiar with Marcus King of Central Michigan fame. So he played he played at Central Michigan uh, his senior year, not even his senior year, because he did two years at Youngstown State, transferred, and did one year at Central. His, his, his last year at Central, he averaged 30 points a game in college. Like, that is not easy to do. It ain't a whole lot of guys. And you can go down and name them. It ain't a whole lot of guys that say, hey, man, I averaged 30 in college. Marcus King can say that. Not 25. Not 29. He averaged 30 in college. He scored 969 points in one season. Like, this dude is a bucket. And he was on full display. I mean, he was hitting game winners. He was going to work. So shout out to Marcus King. He had a very good tournament. We're going to talk about what he did the last game and what happens uh, in the final. But Marcus King was getting off. You had some other Michigan guys in the tournament. You had Baby D, Daryl Davis uh, of Dayton fame. Him and Devin Oliver played really well for the Flyers. You also had Calvin Alley's. Calvin Alley's was playing uh, for House of Pain. He's playing for House of Pain. I'm sorry. I'm scratching these mosquitoes, man. They've been, they've been killing my legs. Um... But Calvin Ellis, out of North Farmington High School, played for the Detroit Fire. You know, I got some Detroit Fire in my veins. You know what I'm saying? I used to coach with the Fire with Greg Russell. Shout out to G. Russ and Dave Dixon. Uh, he played for them. And he was a very good player in high school, man. I remember him dropping 40 like it was nothing. He probably averaged uh, 30 plus in high school easy. Was a straight bucket, and you had a few Michigan guys in this tournament trying to get trying to get some paper, man. But when we gonna get a Michigan team? I'm waiting, man. I talked about it last summer when I gave you guys my uh, Michigan TBT tournament team, and I'm waiting for a phone call. I'm waiting for somebody to be like, "Hey, yo, Coach Cam, we really gonna do it because, man, we got guys really that can go, man. We got the ultimate cheat code in Crawford." Like, just like Jay Crawford alone. 
Like, you put him, he's an ultimate bucket. I mean, I, I'm not even going to talk about the guys we could use in a Michigan TBT, but it's our time to shine, man. It's our time to get a team going because I'm looking at these teams in the finals, and every team got a Michigan guy on. I'm like, well, part of the reason is we got so many good guards, they can't all play on the same team. So like Marcus Keene and Baby D and Calvin Ellis, they can't all be on the same team because you got three guards right there. So it's really going to take a general manager to go and say, OK, I need this D2 game right here. I need this guy right here. I need this big. But it can be done, man. Detroit got some ballers all over the world, man. All, still playing at a very high level. But we ain't got a TBT team. Michigan ain't got a TBT team. It's got some Saginaw still getting it done. Flint still getting it done. Getting some money overseas. It's time for us to put a team in a TBT. So that's just that. Uh, here are a couple of takes that I like to talk about the TBT tournament. Uh, very physical basketball, man. This is big boy ball right here. Like if you turn, it's not for the casual basketball fan. It's for people that like really love basketball. Like if you just casually watch basketball, you might turn it on and be like, all right, cool. It's on. But it's for my hoop heads, man. I mean, these guys was going at it, but you, they playing for a million dollars, man. It don't seem like a lot. You be like, you got 10 guys, 11 guys playing for a million dollars. They cut us a hundred grand. Last time I checked, I ain't never won a hundred grand in a day. Last time I checked, I ain't got a hundred grand in four or five years of working. Like, that's big bucks right there. Like, we're not talking about a couple hundred dollars. Like, Marquette, their share, and they were sponsored by Zelle. Zelle is, I think it's uh, Chase or one of them. They're sponsored by Zelle. Every player from the Marquette team got 90K. Bam, in your account. You win the game, they hit the game winner, 90K in your account. Man, that's a great day. Man, that's a great day. I wish I was a gold eagle right there. I would have went crazy too because you just, you just hit, you hit, that's like hitting the lottery, man. That's like hitting the lottery. And to say that all oh, those guys is overseas, they making money, man, for anybody that win 100K, you're going to be excited. You're going to be ecstatic. And if you lose 100K, you're going to be devastated. And that's exactly what happened to Sideline Cancer because they didn't get a chance to win. And them guys was hurt, man. They was hurt. I'd have been hurt, too. You lose by two possessions, two possessions, a million dollar, two possessions, man, I would be hurt, too. But it's big boy basketball. And a lot of things that I saw in the TBT tournament, you have these guys that play high level overseas. You don't see a whole lot of guys throwing the ball in the paint. I mean, you see it a little bit, but you their bigs are setting screens. They handling the ball. They shooting threes. So I'm going to say this to you, recruits. Like, if you can't shoot the ball, if you can't handle the ball, you might want to find another sport. Because basketball, the way that the game is evolving now, is spreading the floor. It's no longer a game where you're going to have two bigs at the box and you're going to have three guys outside of the arc trying to make a play. That ain't it. All right? You got four or five guys outside of the paint making plays with the ball, setting screens, picking and popping, um, dribble handoffs. Like, that's the game now. And I've, I've really, I'm watching the tournament and I'm thinking to myself about um, revisiting my offense to look like some of the things that they're doing. But the thing is, is you got to be really skilled. You got to be really skilled to play the game that way, to be playing where it's a lot of ball handling, a lot of shooting. But that's how I like to play, man. 
That's how I like to play. But the TBT tournament, let's talk about the final. So in the final, you had sideline cancer playing against the Golden Eagles of Marquette. And the Golden Eagles, man, they big and they physical. I mean, every guy was about 6'5". They didn't have, they only had one guy on the floor that was not 6'5 and just cut like you wouldn't believe. Like, all of them was super athletic. They big, they tall, they strong. They could play multiple positions. All five guys on the floor can shoot it. So the bigs had to come away from the basket. I really liked how Marquette played this tournament. I really liked how they played. Sideline Cancer was spo- not sponsored, but they were uh they're featured with was uh Marcus King. And we talked about Marcus King before, and he struggled in the finals. He struggled in the finals. And this is why coaches really like they they struggle with the small guard. Because a lot of them don't think the small guard can win the big one. Because in the big one, you got a guy that's bigger, you got a guy that's stronger, and a guy that really can check whatever you're trying to do. And that's what happened in this game. They had two or three guys that just completely took Keen out the game. Took him out the game. He couldn't do a thing because some guys were 6'5 and athletic and could stay in front. All he could do was pull up for three from deep, and he made a couple, one of them down the stretch to put him up two. When it counted for the money, but he struggled, man. He had three turnovers in the game. He really struggled with Marquette's length and Darius Odom Jones or Odom Johnson, his name. Man, dude looked like Debo. Like he out here, left hand, 6'6", strong, attacking the basket, shooting the threes. I was very impressed with Marquette, man. I was very impressed. But those are the kind of guys they put in the league. Guys like Wesley Matthews. Guys like Dwayne Wade. Like they put big wings, big wings in the league, and they do very well. So, you know, shout out to the Golden Eagles. And they won it at the buzzer. Travis Diener, who's playing in Italy now. Um, and he, here's a couple things about Travis Diener. I don't know if you knew or not. He was a career 41% three-point shooter at Marquette. He made 284 threes at Marquette, right? 41% from three for his career. So how does a guy like that get a clean, wide-open look for the game? Now, he's a pit, the epitome of a shot maker. So my shot maker shooter academy, like the, the last possession where they won the game, he's the epitome of a shot maker. He had one shot in this game. One shot. That's it. One shot for a million dollars. Did he miss it though? Hell no, he ain't missed. Bottom of the nets. Bottom of the nets. Baseline drive. Everybody helps. And that's why you see a lot of coaches do a lot of baseline drive, kick and react. I do it a lot too. Baseline drive, you think the guy's going for a layup? No, he's not. Kicks it out in the dead corner for a three. Smooth, wide open look. You think he missing that? You think he missing that? A guy that's 41% from three in college? And and those are the shots I expect guys to make. So if you're a shooter and you wide open for the game, you bet not... You bet not miss that shot because you might not get another one. You might not get another one for me, especially we playing for a million of what? My 90K on the line. If you don't make one shot, though, and he drained it, too. He drained it. Not only did he make the shot, he made the shot and his pops on the bar locally. He said, drinks on me, man. I make this shot. He said, if we win the tournament, drinks is on me at my father's bar, which I thought was really clutch. I really like what he did there. He said, it's more than just him. He's going to donate some money. He must be doing all right if he donating money and picking up tabs and all that. 
Trav must be doing all right. But the thing that I liked on that possession, he he made his his total points for the game was three. Like that's what high level shooters do, shot makers do. They make the ones that count. You know what I'm saying? They ain't out here going five for twenty. They going two for two in the clutch. When you down three, you need a three. They need a three points for the game. He had one shot and he nailed it. So shouts out to Travis Diener and him picking up the tab. That's a really cool uh, gesture for you picking up the tab for the people at your father's bar, getting it in. And, and man, that shot was wet, too. It went through. It was bam. I knew as soon as I saw him wide open, I was like, oh, he ain't missing that. He ain't missing that. That's money. So shouts out to the Golden Eagles for winning the TBT tournament. Really impressed with the tournament. I'm even more impressed with the Elam ending. If you're not familiar with the Elam ending, what they do in the TB tournament is this. At the four-minute mark, they shut the clock off. They shut the clock off, and whoever's leading at the time, they add eight points, and that's the target score that you have to get to to win. So if you're down two, you got to score 10 points to win. If you're down 10 at the time, you got to score 18 points to win. So it's, it's a, a target score, so you're no longer playing against the clock. So having, But they still have a shot clock, so you can't just be doing whatever. So you still have the shot clock that's still in play. You still have fouls and everything else is in play, but you're playing to a target score. And I really, I'm really impressed with the Eden ending the NBA All-Star game. If you had this, the last NBA All-Star game, uh, they used the Elon ending. And I think a lot of more, a lot more teams and leagues are going to start going with this ending because the players decide the game. It ain't the refs. It ain't a missed free throw. It ain't the clock. It ain't somebody wasting the clock for three or four minutes. You got to make a play. You got to make a quarter three for the money to win the money like Travis Dieter did. You can't just win the game because you got a good coach and he running a couple. Good. No, you got to you got to earn it. You got to get a stop like they was down like Marcus Keene hits a three that puts um, sideline cancer up two. they was up 73 to 72 at the time. Well, then they come down and hit a three and now it's 73, 75. The target score is 78. So now Marquette got to get a stop. Now, sideline cancer calls a timeout and they go for three. I'm not quite sure why they went for three. They needed two possessions. They needed to get a score and a stop and then another score. So I'm not sure why they forced it and went for three. But that's that's on them. They're going to have to live with that one. But Marquette ended up getting a stop. And then they chose to go for three. But they took what was given to them. They didn't necessarily need a three. They could have got a two, got a stop, and then scored again. But you can't leave a guy like Travis Diener alone. Like, you got to know if I'm guard, anybody but him is getting a shot. If they down three, and they don't. They pinch, gets a wide open three, and he nails it. So I'm really impressed with the Elon ending. I think New Zealand, New Zealand professional teams are now going with this, this ending for overtime games. For all overtime games, whenever it goes in overtime, they go with this ending. So I'm really impressed with the ending. So... You know, hats off to the TBT tournament, man. I, I I really enjoy watching those basketball games. I take quite a few of them. I'm going to go back and watch them. Like I said, I watched the Marquette and the Sideline Cancer game because those two teams, they were just going at it. And the TBT tournament, that's what it is, man. They was playing for money for real. Like, you, it, was, it, was, it was one cat from Sideline Cancer. You can tell he needed that money. You can tell he needed that money. I don't know if he got like three, four baby mamas or he got some situations where he ain't supposed to be in or whatnot. He he was hurt. I was hurt for him. I was like, dang, like you five points away from 90K. Ooh, man, 
then I might be scrapping with somebody in the locker room. Like 90K. Like, but that comes from me. Like, I ain't I ain't got 90K. I got $30 in my account. Like, I ain't got it like that. You know, you know, these guys, they might have needed it, you might not. But them guys from Sideline Cancer was hurt, man. They was hurt about it. And I ain't mad at them. So it's your coach that knows who's the most. I appreciate y'all for tuning in and watching the podcast this week. I am going to do the podcast live. So what you're hearing is the podcast. I'm going to do a video version. I've got an interview, a Zoom call that I did with a recruit that committed to an HBCU this week. going to talk about that here in a second. So we got some things brewing, man. I'm itching for real. Uh, these mosquitoes is killing me. But I'm just itching for basketball, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to get back in AU, ready to get back in coaching. Um, had an interview, well, not quite an interview, but I put my name in for a couple of jobs. So you might see Coach Cam back out here uh, coaching uh, basketball at your local establishment, high school, college, or junior college, wherever that may be. So last week, I did a story on um, five stars committing to HBCUs. And there's a guard out in Cali. His name is Mikey Williams. And he tweeted that it wouldn't be bad. It'd be cool to entertain an HBCU. So I had the dialogue where I said that more athletes, more five stars, more high level recruits should entertain HBCUs. And my reasoning for for them doing so, I don't think the guys, the five star, the top guys, I don't think a lot of those guys are going to go to HBCU because they can't. There's too much money invested in those guys for them to go to HBCUs. But the mid-majors, the low-majors, instead of going to North Dakota, instead of going to Southern Illinois, those are the kind of guys that should be going to Florida a and Should be going to Howard. Should be going to Hampton. Going to the D1 HBCUs instead of going to some school in the middle of nowhere. How about you go to an HBCU? Those are the guys that I think can change the narrative that you have to go to a Division I school. You have to go to a Big Ten school. Why would you go to Nebraska? Like literally, like if you, why would you go to Nebraska and struggle? I'm sweating. I'm always hot in my car. Price crack a window or something, uh, and I'm gonna do that. But if why would you go to Nebraska and you're gonna struggle to make the tournament? You're gonna be the bottom of the Big Ten. You're gonna get your butts kicked. Like why not go somewhere where you can prosper? Where somebody's gonna follow you? Where it's gonna be some headline, some energy? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, if you're the big man on campus at Howard, oh boy. Oh, boy, I could only imagine what it feels like to be the big man on campus at Howard. And speaking of Howard, they had a five star recruit commit to Howard. Uh, Maker Maker, who was Thon Maker's brother, a cousin, some type of maker. All right. He he commits to HBCU Howard. So will he play at Howard is the issue, though. I'm not sure he's going to play at Howard now. Even though he committed and it's a great thing, now it now you're adding fuel to the fire. You're adding the wheels are moving now with guys actually thinking about HBCUs and they should, even though they don't have the great facilities, they're not flying private. You you gonna go on some bus rides, you're gonna play in some high school gyms. Like the HBCUs need to need to step up to the plate too. And get these guys in and I think they will you know you got guys like Mo Williams that's not a head coach at Alabama State shout out to him um that has some NBA cre- uh, credibility uh Lindsey Hunter he's a coach HBCU at Mississippi Valley State uh NBA champion coaching in the league now so 
it, there's some tracks in now. You got some scores. Man, I'm hot. Woo, flame Nicks is flaming. Anyway, pause. Uh, yeah, so you're not, it's, the narrative is different now. So now you're actually getting some guys that are actually thinking about HBCUs. And they should, man. They should. Man, if you ever been to campus on FAMU and they on, a, on Saturday for a football game and they got the band going and you walking through the yard and you got the campus over here, you got the Omegas over here, you got the AKAs over there, you got the Deltas over here. And it's like, oh, I could get with this. Could you imagine all of them at the basketball game if y'all was live it. Hey man, I'm going for 30. I'm going for 30. And we're going to host a party and we're going to get in afterwards. You feel me? So I think just the experience that you get from a college uh, HBCU is just none other. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to get the basketball experience and you're going to get the culture experience. And I think it's just like, fam, you was a very good business school. It's one of the best business schools in the country. So you still can get a very great education at schools like Tuskegee, Morehouse, Clark. Like these are great schools. These aren't just your average schools. So you can still get a very good education and still get a high level cultural experience from playing at an HBCU. That's just me. So I think more guys should entertain it. Why would I go and play at in southern uh southern indiana university you in the middle of nowhere you're surrounded by out nobody the only thing you got going is basketball and that's the only thing you got going why not go to a school where you're surrounded by people like you uh culture it's just a different it's a different experience my boy uh jason mcgowan i don't know if jay mack is on here or not uh, but he had an HBCU experience. He said he wouldn't change it for the world. He said it's the best experience of his life. He said it was, it's like none other. He don't know. He was like, man, we played at Clark and we in Atlanta. And it's so packed that he couldn't believe that many people came to watch them play. Like, and it was packed. It was sweating. You know, cheerleaders is on the baseline. They fine as hell. He like, man, I ain't never had nothing like that. So I played at Rep Arena. Rep Arena was cool because you had a bunch of people there and you playing Kentucky. But it ain't nothing like going down in Atlanta, Georgia. You playing in front of a packed house and you got the shorties on the baseline like, ooh, number 10. Man, come on. Said it's an experience like no other. So I think more players should entertain the HBCU route. Now, I ain't talking about guys like Zion. Zion is going to play at Duke. He ain't playing at Winston-Salem, all right? So guys like that that's supposed to be high majors, they're still going to go to those high major schools because they got too much money behind them, right? So I was watching a story the other day. I was watching a video, DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins talking about, yeah, when I was in high school, I had a chance to go to Howard on a visit, and I was really impressed, and I was thinking about going to Howard. No, you wasn't. DeMarcus Cousins, you was top five in the country, my guy. You going to pick Howard over Kentucky? Nah, you ain't doing that. Now, I get what you're trying to say. I know you're trying to push the narrative, trying to change the move. I get it. You're not turning down Coach Cal and Drake at the Midnight Madness for for some honeys at Howard. Like, you just not doing it. So, I don't think, though, like I said, I don't think the higher guys will end up doing it. I think a lot of mid-major, four-stars, three-stars, guys, instead of going to a school like Northwestern in the Big Ten, which is a great education. Um, got some guys here in Michigan that's going to Northwestern. Uh, decide to say, you know what? I'm going to go to HBCU and I'm going to turn it out. So uh, I wrote an article on it. If you don't have a, if you have a chance, 
Uh, go down my, my Facebook profile is there. Uh, but I did a story on it last week about guys entertaining HBCUs and they should. Couple other things I want to discuss this week. Amani Bates. Amani Bates commits to Michigan State University. Spartan. Uh, he was the Gatorade player of the year as a sophomore. Best player in the country. Without a doubt, most people think that he's probably going to go right into the NBA. But last time I checked, those rules have not been passed yet. All right? That, that has not been put in place. So he cannot go to the NBA right now. So if he cannot go to the NBA, he has to commit to somebody's school. And Izzo was smart. Izzo said, you know what? You might go to the NBA. But guess what? Now I have a relationship with you, even if you go to the NBA. But if you can't and you have to go to college... Well, you got to go somewhere. And where the coaches dropped the ball was they didn't recruit Amani Bates. You could tell from his camp, he wasn't getting a whole lot of calls from coaches because everybody just assumes that he's just going to go to the NBA. But as of right now, today, he cannot. He cannot go to the NBA. He can't. He's not 19 years old. He's not one year removed from high school. So he can't go to the NBA. So if you can't go to the NBA, what else you going to do? Gonna go overseas? Like I don't think his people. Uh, he even told in the article where he announced that he was like overseas. It might be for some guys, but I ain't really, you know, I'm, that's not what I'm trying to do. Like his dream school, the dream school that he wanted to go to was Michigan State. So you can't really fault him for that. You know, he works out a lot of times in the Romulus area with every rep trainer and go go mode, and he's working out with Gabe Brown all the time. Gabe Brown plays at Michigan State. You think Gabe Brown didn't ha didn't, hasn't had Amani up and hanging around the campus and he just fell in love with Michigan State. So to just say, oh, Amani Bates will never play in college, which I think is partly true. I think it's partly true that Amani Bates will not play in college. But there's, there's a small chance, there's a small opportunity that he might play in college. And if he plays in college, guess where he's going to play? Michigan State University with the Spartans. Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo got that done, man. I've been giving Tom Izzo some flack over the years about him not winning the national championship the last 20 years. But if he can pull this off and he gets somebody base for a year, oh man, that's going to be a show to watch. And who's to say it's not a bad idea? Kevin Durant did it. He went to college for a year. Carmelo Anthony went to college for a year. So it's not a novice idea where you have to Kyrie Irving play 12 games. He got hurt, hit, her, hit his ankle. He was still the number one pick in the draft. So Amani Bates, he might go to Michigan State, put on some weight that he needs to put on because his body is frail. And you can see that every time he plays against River Roots because he can't beat River Roots. His body is frail. He's got to put some muscle in that frame. Who else better to put some muscle in your frame than Michigan State University? And you know you're only there for a year. I don't. I, I don't think it's far fetched that he has to play at Michigan State. I don't. I think there's an opportunity for him to play, because if he doesn't turn 19, and the NBA doesn't change it to 18, and say that you can go to the to the NBA straight from high school, he's gonna have to go to college. And if he goes to college, it's gonna be Michigan State. So I don't think it's far fetched that he's gonna play at State. I really don't. Now, with him starting his own prep school and have to reclass to the class of 2021, that changes things. That changes things. That puts the NBA on the clock. Do you really want a Monty Bates right now? That's what it really is. Do you really want a Monty Bates in the league right now? It's a young league. It's a young league. I think the NBA can wait for a Monty Bates. They got guys like the Greek Freak. They got Steph Curry still. That's still young, still doing it. 
You got AD that's young, not LeBron. He only got a couple more years left. Are you going to waste the narrative with, with a guy coming into the league like Amadi Bates? Like, he ain't going to take no headlines. He ain't taking no headlines from Zion Williamson. He ain't taking no headlines from John Morant. So, like, he might need a year before he gets to the NBA because he's going to have to guard the hardest position in the NBA. Night in, night out. He's going to have to guard LeBron. He's going to have to guard Kawhi Leonard. He's going to have to guard Paul George. He's going to have to guard um, big wings, Jason Tatum. Like, He's going to have to guard these guys on a nightly basis. Is he ready for that at 18? Is Amani Bates ready to guard James Harden? Is he ready to guard Russell Westbrook coming off a ball screen, coming downhill, Damian Lillard? You know, like, those are the kind of guys he's going to have to guard. Big wings. They 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". Carmelo, like, that's the hardest position in the league to guard. Is he ready for that? Is he ready for that smoke? Because, of course, they're going to try to label him the golden child, but he ain't like LeBron. LeBron's body was ready for the NBA. Monty Bates' body ain't ready for the NBA. It's not. He needs to put in some work on his body, but he's still a sophomore. So he got maybe a year and a half and a year to get it done. But I think a year from now, is he ready for the NBA? I don't think so, unless he put on some pounds. Game-wise, talent-wise, skill-wise, yeah, of course. He's ready to play in the NBA. But the body, like, to play 82 games, you got to play back-to-backs and you're traveling. Like, that's not easy to do for somebody that's 18, 19 years old. It's not. It's a lot of guys that struggle early on in their career and they never recover. They never recover because their bodies just can't handle that workload. So I hope it works out for Monty Bates. He starts his own prep school, MC Prep, so he won't be playing in the MHSAA. So I'm going to play close attention to how that's going to turn out. What's that going to be like? What kind of teams they're going to play? Are they going to play the Oak Hills? Are they going to play Prolific Prep? Uh, and if they saw with, with guys uh, over in, in, in California and stuff like that, are they going to play the top teams in the country? I think they should. And I think, you know, they pack out Eastern Michigan two, three, four times a year. I guess they figure instead of that money going to Eastern or going to some promoter, why can't we control that? Why can't that go to our school? And for LeBron James, that's what they did for a whole year and two years. They basically put LeBron on tour and everybody got rich off LeBron. Everybody in Ohio got rich off LeBron when he was in high school because they, they was playing in college arenas, packing them out. They was playing in the gun arena, packing it out like it was nothing. You know, them, them tickets go for 10 a pop. If it's if it's what? Let's say it's 15,000 seats. 10 a pop. That's 150 grand right there for a high school game. So Monty Bates can, can do that kind of stuff because he didn't pack Eastern out a couple times. So they probably thought to themselves, like, hold on, it's a lot of people in here. There's a lot of people in here. Where this money going to? It ain't going to us. So uh, with him starting his own prep school, I would like to see how that works in Michigan. Because Michigan does not have a viable working prep school uh, that can play at a high level. And this will be the first one. So we're going to be talking about it here. We talking hoops with Coach Cam because that's what we do, man. We talk hoops. So that's the Monty Bates. He can miss Michigan State, and I think he's going to be a Spartan. And I would not be surprised if he plays this year. I got an article that's going to come out this week talking about it. Um, last thing I'll talk about before I do the intro for my interview. Uh, I had a nice young man. I interviewed him today. 
Uh, I want to give you an AAU, AAU update. So, so we back, man. We back to playing games. You got the brawl for the ball. It's not in Grand Rapids this year. The brawl for the ball is in Fort Wayne, Indiana. They had to move it because of COVID. And it's one of the best tournaments around. It's just too early for me. Like, we're going to be playing our games in August. Like, I just was not comfortable uh, playing in a tournament with 300-plus teams. And I just wasn't comfortable with doing it, so I will not be at the Brawl Ball. But AU is back, and it's popping, man. You got tournaments going on. You got players playing. Hopefully, these players, these coaches, these teams are being safe. They're wearing masks. Hey, man, mask up so we don't catch this virus, man. This virus ain't no joke. It's taking people out. And I pray for those families that have had deaths and have had... um you know, recoveries from the virus, but it's no joke, man. It's no joke, but I did not want to go through that myself. So that's for that. So the brawl for ball moves to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, but the thing about AAU right now, you got no circuit. So you got no Adidas, you got no Nike, you got no UAA. So what, what tournaments are players going at? So NY2LA looks a lot better now than it did six months ago because there is no EYBL and it ain't no coaches. So this is truly grassroots. This is truly grassroots. Like this is really for those people that are really focused on playing AAU basketball, travel basketball, because ain't no coaches out. So who you trying to impress now? You really got to show people what you've been working on. You got to show these scouts what you've been working on. Try to get that offer that you didn't get. Because I'm going to tell you like this. I didn't. I was at a scrimmage this past weekend. And there were a few guys at this scrimmage. You could tell they didn't do jack shit during the quarantine. They did nothing. And you can't expect to get an offer. and You ain't did nothing for three, four months. And then you go out and I told y'all to be ready. I told you when it gets back rolling, you better be ready. Because if you're not, it's going to you're going to find out fast. Oh, my man ain't been working. Oh, he has. Oh, he's better than him because all it takes is one phone call. How does so-and-so look this weekend? Ah, he looked terrible. Terrible? All right, I'm going to cross him off my list because coaches can't come to games. They got to watch the streams. They got to listen to the scouts. They got to listen to the guys like Coach Cam and TJ Kelly and Steve Bell. They're going to be at the games. So if you ain't ready to play, you ain't been doing nothing the last three, four months, it's going to show. And teams are out there playing. Our team, we're still doing workouts. Uh, we're going to be playing in August, so I'm looking forward to that. We'll be in Milwaukee a couple times. Uh, we'll go to Fort Wayne, Reach Legends all day. It's Reach Legends forever uh, because I'm a Reach guy. And it's picking up, man. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to my team. Uh, and as it comes together, I know some of those guys are going down to Fort Wayne playing with other teams. Have fun, but they coming back. They coming back. I'm not even going to tell you who's on our team. So, so until it's when it's on and popping, we play a game, then you will know like, oh, man, he working with that. Yeah, we working with some over there. And the last thing I want to talk about with AAU, there has been something that's come in front of me uh, that's come to my attention that the girls basketball movement in Michigan, there's a lot of things going on in girls basketball in Michigan that I don't like. And I'm going to put I'm going to do something about it. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a whole girls network. I'm not sure. If, I know I'm going to highlight some girls. A good friend of mine who played with me in college, his daughter is a senior and she got offers. And from from what has been told to me, there are coaches hating on this young lady. There are coaches that are almost blackballing this young lady from getting offers, from getting calls from school, from getting letters, all because of who knows what. Now the kid transfer, he don't want to play for your AAU team, and now they're talking bad about this young lady, and she's not a bad person. She's not a bad person. 
She just don't want to play on your AAU team. So I'm going to do something about it. I tried to tell a friend of mine four or five years ago that the girls game here in Michigan is not covered at all. And you got the LBI insider that does stuff. You have uh, prep hoops that covers girls a little bit. Uh, I'm going to start covering some girls, man. I'm going to start going to some AAU tournaments. I've, I've already talked to a couple girls, basketball coaches. I'm going to be, be, be um, pulling their players in and working on their shots, getting their games better. Uh, but I just don't like to see that, man. I don't like to see people abusing their power. And what, what some girls basketball coaches here in Michigan, they're abusing their power and they're selecting who gets recruited and who doesn't. And that ain't how it goes, man. That's not how it goes. So Coach Cam is going to do something about it. So if all those schools that's not affiliated with LBI and your players need to get exposure and your players need that platform to get exposed to some coaches, it's coming. It's coming. I'm going to do something about it because I'm not let I'm not let you. Y'all ain't about to do that to my my little girl, my homie. No, y'all not going to y'all not. Y'all ain't going to do that. That's family. You know what I'm saying? Y'all not going to do that to my family. All right, so I'm going to look out for my people, and if I got to do something about it, I will. If I got to start an AU program, I will. If I got to start being a women's basketball scout, I will, because y'all not about to be hating on young, on young ladies. Y'all ain't doing that. Giving people Not giving people opportunities to get recruited. So Coach Cam is going to do something about it, and if I'm really with it, I might shut it all down. I might just shut it all down. I could. I really could just shut it all down because I, I know the ins and outs of everything. I'm, I, trust me, I might just shut it down. But I'm going to do something about it because a girls basketball in Michigan is not covered. So I'm going to start covering it. So there it is. Now, the last thing this podcast, I want to intro to my interview. A uh, young man from Detroit, Michigan, played at Spire last year. His name is Tariq Shepard. Tariq Shepard committed to Lemoyne Owens. Uh, yesterday, uh, did an article with that. Uh, at the end of this podcast, you'll hear the interview that I did. You'll see the interview uh, because we taped it. I'm actually doing taping Zoom calls. I'm taking this to the next level, man. You know what I'm saying? With the with the pandemic, I'm taking it to the next level. Um, but Tariq Shepard, he chose to go to Lamar Owens instead of going to uh, Northern Illinois. So he picked the HBCU over a predominantly white institution, the PWI, as they like to call it, and did a nice little interview with him. So you'll get a chance to see that here in the, the coming moments. But it's your coach that knows who's the most. I'm in the hot box. I'm sweating like flame. Nick's just had a box of flaming Cheetos. I'm hot in the car, fresh off the press. It's a podcast that so you haven't heard in a few weeks. I'm back at it. I'm back in the mix. I'm back talking about basketball. Um, it's still Black Lives Matter, though. That ain't changed. That ain't changed. It's still Black Lives Matter. Okay? Just so we're clear. Because they do. Hopefully, Breonna Taylor, those officers can get their justice and their due. And they get arrested for what they did to that young lady. But it's your coach that knows hoops the most. We're going to end off this podcast this week. I appreciate y'all tuning in to the late night sunroof edition, baby. I'm going to holler at you. Peace. That dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah.